Raw Ag is your link to the food chain and every episode will take you somewhere along that chain. From conception to consumption, you will hear from the cutting edge players in Australian agriculture with industry news, unique views and presentations. We can all be better farmers, sustainable, regenerative and innovative. We can all be more informed and aware consumers. And Rorag is your next step in that direction. Brought to you by Ace Radio and Tamania Angus. I'm Kate Mead and today it is my honour to introduce you to host Tom Gubbins. George King is the Managing Director of the Whitley Pastoral Company and the sixth generation to live at the historic Cooming Park in Central West New South Wales. George is a passionate regenerative farmer and an outspoken advocate for agriculture. George has a fascinating and rational insight into agricultural topics and concerns. Welcome to the Raw Ag Podcast, George. Thanks, Tom. Good to be here. So, George, um, tell us a little bit about where you're from. You're uh, from New South Wales. Carcor, yep, up at um, Central West New South Wales, near Orange, um, on an old family property here, which we've owned since about 1880. Wow, that's, uh, you must be connected to the land then. Very much so. I know I feel a deep connection to it. So, George, um, we're in uh, Warrnambool today, and there's a street in Warrnambool called uh, Liebig Street. Liebig was a scientist who burnt a tree to work out what elements fundamentally um, were present in the vegetation. N- NPKS came out of that tree, and one molecule that was very important in the tree was vented into the atmosphere and that was carbon dioxide and carbon dioxide possibly carbon in the science of plant growth has been forgotten a little bit possibly because of Liebig's research. You've been doing a lot of work and there's been quite a lot of posts that you've been doing about carbon and uh, water cycling and the environment and your connection to it with livestock and and the land that you've been a custodian on of for so long can you tell us a bit more about what you're on about on the carbon cycle george thanks tom yeah um from my understanding carbon's it, it's an incredibly complex problem we've got really intelligent people at both ends of the scales one one end saying it's not a problem and the other end saying it's a huge problem um from my understanding and and from what i've read carbon's not a problem but it's a symptom of the problem and the, the major problem is the water cycle is degraded. And, and as with working with any symptom, doesn't matter how much work you do on that, you're not going to solve the problem just treating the symptom. Um, even if we cut our emissions to zero now, it's going to take hundreds of years to get the CO2 levels back to the pre-industrial revolution levels. And no industrialised nation on Earth is going to do that just to cut their quality of life and their food supply and their, um, their, the whole civilization to do that. Um, put, just to, clear, just to make road. sure that we're on the right track right from the start, where man's influencing the environment, George, and having negative is, is man having a negative influence on the environment? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just yep. so the listeners know that you're not, you know, you've you've thought this through very clearly, and you're not um, perhaps coming from some sort of tribal. Um, no, 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 no. Avenue having, having a terrible effect on the whole world. Good. Um, well, bad, I mean. <laughs> it, it, terrible, it, it, terrible effect, yeah, it's all very bad. Um, I'm sorry to break in and... Uh, it, no, no, not at all. Um, 
pushing down the carbon line, to, to my train of thought, um, there's, there's a few possible scenarios if humanity keeps on pushing down that road. Um, first one is we're going to continue to waste time and money treating a symptom and ignoring the, the real environmental problems such as desertification, uh, extinctions, pollution, erosion, uh, all those things are, are being left aside trying to treat something that we've been doing for the last 30 years and spent tens of billions of dollars on and nothing's really happened. The emissions are keep on going up. Um, doesn't matter how many talk fests they have on it. Um, if they push too hard on trying to reduce emissions, we're going to end up destroying businesses and food chains, which will end up in widespread social breakdown. And worst case scenario is if they get fanatical about carbon is to, is to realise that people are the greatest emission of, emitters of carbon. And, um, and as, as throughout history, once there's a scarcity or a, or a problem, um, humans blame another sect of, of the community and, um, and turn on them. So it's all pretty ugly way to go. Um, if, we, if we did focus on the, the water cycle and fixing that, that will fix the carbon problem too, the carbon symptom, because we will be sequestering more carbon into the soil. Livestock um, is uh, blamed for using too much water. How does livestock fit into the into the water cycle? Um, you know, we had uh, five millimetres of rain yesterday. Uh, five millimetres of rain on a hectare is uh, fifty thousand litres. Our annual rainfall where we are is six hundred mils. Six hundred mils on a hectare is six million litres multiplied. Uh, so divide that by the yield of beef that you get off that land plus a bit of water for hosing down abattoir and cattle yards and, and for them to drink. And you've got um, a huge amount of water that's being used in livestock. Um, the, the amount of water on Earth's fixed. It's 1,386 million cubic kilometres of Earth. That water's moving through the, the various water cycles, the green, blue, grey and, and, um, and white water cycle. Um, doesn't matter what you do, that amount of water on Earth stays the same. Um, for the water that's cycling you through your farm, it's a natural process. And, and in that process, you can't, in environments, you can't look at things in a linear fashion. You've got to look at it holistically. So you're, um, you're sequestering carbon, you're um, providing biodiversity with, with somewhere to live, you're, um, you're cleansing that water as it goes through the profile. And um, and it, and it stays the same. The, the net amount of water stays on Earth is, is the same. So your kilo of beef is about 75% water. So there's 750 mils of water in it. That's what's used to create a kilo of steak. And the, and the rest is cycling through the environment. So, George, um, I want to go back to the original point on water, though. When I opened my children's geography book 10 years ago when they were doing geography at uh, secondary school, the, the statistics were in their geography book. It was being taught to them in classrooms about the 50,000 litres of water per kilogram. The science must be right if it's in their geography book, mustn't it? It can't be because it's not being used. <laughs> the, the water's still in the environment. You, you can't get rid of it. That's, it's a static figure. And if you look at the, the, um, the water cycle, it, it's got to stay there. It can't go anywhere. It's, it's not gone. It's just been cycled through a water cycle and water cycles through all those cycles indefinitely. So it comes back to, to the methodology of calculating water usage, which is, is flawed. You, do you totally think? flawed. Yeah. 
So, um, but, but to be able to compare the amount of water that's used in a crop compared to used in livestock, you've got to come up with some methodology that makes is able to benchmark them between each other. Or do, is yes. it something that we shouldn't even bother doing? I doubt we should even bother doing it, especially in a livestock enterprise. It's, um, it's, it's part of the environment. It's water cycling. It's the most natural thing that's ever been. I, I don't know why you'd want to stop it or, or limit that. It's, it's the most important part of the environment is having water cycling through it. There can be no life without water. In our mainstream um, media and, and social life, um, there's a growing um, truth that people are accepting about livestock and their influence on the environment by omitting methane. The, um, I suppose the vegan movement is in the most extreme end of it, but the uh, vegetarian as well, that uh, those people are moving towards not eating beef to, um, so that they can feel that they are contributing to the planet's health. Um, what do you what do you think about this, George? The methane. Um, all all their figures are done in isolation. They've basically put a cow in a glass room and measured the methane out. It doesn't take into account the the natural processes that belong with that. Um, when methane's released from a herbivore, grazing green, green grass, the methane's mostly rapidly photooxidized into water and carbon by hydroxyl ra- radicals formed when sunlight interacts with transpired water vapour. Um, a cow grazing on green grass can photooxidize roughly 100 times more methane than is produced by the herb- herbivores grazing that area. Um, healthy soils too um, contain many bacteria. Um, men- um, methanthrops, which um, actively oxidize the carbon into the methane into carbon and water as well in the soil. So the, the methane from cattle grazing grasses is just a non-issue, totally a non-issue. And out of Australia's 24 million cattle, 95.5% um, of them are grazing grasslands. So the 4.5% that are in a feedlot are releasing methane that isn't being photooxidized back into um, the ground or, or into the atmosphere is more than, more than covered by the ones that are on grass. George, um, we've been producing beef for many, many um, centuries and using it uh, as a food source to humans. Um, why does the accounting of beef um, in the environment seem to be displaced as soon as we farm it? So we've eradicated the bison out of North America and um, wildebeest from Africa have reduced in numbers and they were all uh, methane emitters. Why, yep. why, why do we now count um, um, animals that are put behind a fence differently to them? Um, maybe they're trying to find a scapegoat. So the, um, the voting base doesn't need to do anything about it. We can just get someone else to fix this problem. They can carry on driving their cars and flying in their aeroplanes and, and going on their trains and concreting their streets. And um, they, they can carry on and just get some other group to fix the problem for them. So, George, what are you doing about fixing the problem on your farm? As a, I mean, you're, you're, you're becoming a spokesman for 
for the industry by by putting yourself out and posting the way you do and um, I take my hat off to you to to do that because obviously um, it takes a lot of thought and a lot of hours and you're obviously very dedicated to that Um, what are the things that you're doing on the ground on your farm that makes you feel more beneficial to um, improving um, your environment and things around you Um, carbon is a really important part of any farming system um, super important. For every additional gram of carbon we put into the soil um, through management, we can hold an additional eight grams of water for that one gram of carbon. So it increases our water holding ability. Um, we, we use a, a, a holistic management grazing, plan grazing system where we, um, or process where we, we keep the stock in one mob. So we've always got ground cover. Um, that's keeping full ground cover as part of fixing your hydrological cycle when you've got the full ground cover of grass and litter any water that hits the that surface is slowed down the energy is taken out of it flows into the soil because we're resting country we've got deeper rooted grasses and um so more water infiltrates into the soil so we can hold more water in there you get more green grass going all year round instead of eating out just the the perennials and just having annuals that aren't photosynthesizing and and drawing energy in from sunlight year round um so we're we're reducing our costs. We're becoming more profitable because we're using less chemicals. You get more biodiversity. Um, there's seed grasses are getting to seed each year. So we're, we're supporting the bird life. Um, the, the whole system just flows when you start working with it instead of against it. And, um, and, and writing too is, is probably the other thing I do just to, um, to give farmers a voice, which is one of our problems. We've, we've lost our connection with our consumers and have done so since since probably the Second World War, where we're, we're not really connected to our consumers and they don't know, really know what we're doing. They don't understand what we're doing. It's the, and then they could draw the conclusion that we're just wrecking it all out here and we should stop growing cattle and they should be vegans, which is going to be catastrophic to the environment if you don't have cattle cycling that grass back into the ground and getting that methane, uh, the, the carbon back into the soil. Um, if you don't have cattle there grazing, it's just going to burn. So it really degrade the environment. I see, George, you're a volunteer fireman and um, yeah. been involved this year in um, um, fires which have um, been quite disruptive to New South Wales and Victoria during the summer. Um, you've had some views that you've put up about the current um, fuel and fire issues in, in, in Australia. Just going on to the, the fire grounds, Tom, the, the fuel load was horrendous going into even private land and national parks. It was just so unmanaged. It was just a time bomb waiting to happen. Um, there's, there's just no mechanism to, to manage those areas where they're reducing the fuel load and um, doing it in environmental fashion, which is, the, which is really the only way you can do that is with livestock to rapidly reduce the bulk of, of um, feed matter and put it into the ground where it belongs. Yeah, so we're finding that in Victoria that you know, we're getting more and more difficult to burn the sides of the roads because you need a certain number of um, fire tanks. The, the captains that are involved are worried about possible outbreak of fire and the damage and the consequences of damaging people's property in the legal system now. Um, and, and it's just easier not to bother. It's not easier not to do it. Um, whereas, you know, 30 years ago, if a fire got away and they were doing something that was good for the community by burning the sides of the roads, well, everyone accepted it. But it's a bit different now. 
you can a fire can run through someone's place and it might get a bit ugly. It sure will. Maybe the size of the road should be grazed with livestock. Maybe the farmers could be... We're not allowed to, to do that. Yeah, yeah, there's another problem. We're not allowed to cut them either because of native grasses. So, right. Um, we, but we can burn them. So, George, you've uh, recently um, gone out on another venture on onfarm.co. That's correct, isn't it? Onfarm.co? Yep, yep. It's not quite, not quite live yet, but will be in, in the next few weeks. So what are you trying um, to achieve with that platform? Um, quite a few things. One of, the, one of the things, one of our problems we see with agriculture is to disconnect farmer to farmer um, when we're not trading directly with each other in a safe way um, with, with guaranteed payments. So it's got that functionality in there uh, on, a, on a full social media platform too. So we can, we can share ideas. We can, we can um, interact with each other on a purpose-built social media platform. Um, the, the second part we really want to do with it is, is connect farmers and consumers again. We've, we've, so we can not only educate them, but, but supply them with produce, um, shorten the supply chain up um, and, and connect, connect with consumers again. It's, um, if, if we can do that, the, these misunderstandings between us will be, um, will be helped a lot, we think. Well, best of luck with that, George. And um, we're, as, as we're getting nearer to our time, um, I'd like to ask you the, about the, th- the three M's that we ask in the Raw Ag podcast. And that is, what are the, some of the mistakes that you've made? God, some of my mistakes are so big they could be almost called masterpieces, Tom. Um, <laughs> really, if you, if you erased your mistakes, you'd have to erase the wisdom you got from making those mistakes. So it's an important part of of um, being in business and being in life is, is making those mistakes and gaining the wisdom from them and, um, and not repeating them. Um, Lindy and I put, our, um, put all our mistakes on a hex debt because we think everyone has to pay for their education. So we, any mistake we say, we'll put that, whatever we lost on that onto our hex debt. We'll take the, <laughs> the lesson from that mistake and we'll move forward with, with that lesson and, and not dwell on the mistakes because if you're in the arena and you're having a go, you're going to be making mistakes. And um, masterpieces? Um, probably, yeah, no, the big one is setting up, I'm fifth generation on this property, a seventh generation Australian farmer, um, setting my two sons up um, with, with life values and principles and spending time with them and romancing them into the, the virtues of farming and living the good life and being a good person. So it's um, my life's work and the previous generation's life work is, should in theory carry on in, in a meaningful way because I've spent that time um, mentoring and, and, um, and developing the, the two kids and, and probably also setting up a really low cost model on this property where we can run um, really efficiently um, with, with a low cost production and good production and, and turnout from the place. George, um, the final one is some um, your mentors, the people that have um, given you inspiration and guidance. Gee, I've had a lot. I've had some great ones uh, and still do. Um, out of the Triple P group, there's um, just endless lists out of there. Doug Avery, Don McDonald, Don McKay, David Foote, Shane McManaway, Charlie DeFagley. Um, you could almost read out most of the attendees list on that for, for good mentors. It's a good group, um, isn't it? Yeah. Great group. Um, 
Outside of there, I've got, um, which I've very, been very lucky with, Major General Michael Jeffrey, who's, um, who's been one of the best friends Australian farmers have, have ever had. He's, um, I met him first when he was Governor of Western Australia, then, then um, he was obviously Governor General, but he's probably the most important work he's done in his life is, is post-retirement, where he set up Soils for Life, where he's trying to get the best practices of farmers in, in regenerative farmers and, and um, put it into case studies so he can, other people can work out what they're doing and try and copy what they're doing and emulate it. Um, he, he's been a great mentor. He's um, been a great man, very, um, very dedicated and principled and determined in his life and, and, um, and his values where he wants to do. It's, um, it's quite selfless and, and um, thinking of the really big picture. He could have made a lot of money in his retirement for himself, but he's decided to put it all into something that he sees bigger than that. George, um, thank you for talking with me today. And um, I know that I find it easy to press the share button on your posts. They're, um, they're very well put together. They're clever and, and they also don't really, they, they somehow move around the edge of really upsetting people, you know, so I suppose the truth is what's, what's important there. So you're doing it, I really enjoy reading your stuff and keep it up. It's, it's great to have you out there doing it and, and if people are sharing it, then it's spreading. Um, also, good luck with um, onfarm.co that you and Mel have um, about to launch and uh, look forward to, to um, lots of information and uh, interaction through that. Thanks for talking to me, George. Thanks, Tom. Good to yarn. See you soon. Producer Kate here. I have a question for both of you. I just was conscious of so much science behind what you were speaking about today. And I guess for the farmer that is perhaps listening to this very podcast, we're taking that information in. But if there was one thing that they could do today that would have an impact, what could be the one thing that they could do to look at at their farm to make some of those improvements? Is that for me or Tom Kate? Well, I think from both of you, I think combined experience. But I think if we start with you, George, and then Tom, I think you're both coming from same angles, but would both probably have a different um, somewhere to start. For, for me, it would be for every farmer to sit down and do a triple bottom line goal of where they're at now and where they want their farm to be in 50 years, which is... Really, if, you, if you're working towards a long-term triple bottom goal, you, you'll stop making most of your mistakes. You'll, you'll, every step of the way is going towards that North Star. So if, you, um, if farmers start doing that, then they'll start realising that the decisions they're making today are going to have an environmental effect 10, 20, 30 years down the track. Um, and, and still the social and the economics got to be all balanced. So it's trudging towards that, that one goal. The, the one triple bottom goal would be the biggest effect I reckon farmers could have. I'm, I'm having trouble finding something that is um, is significantly the most thing to do. But George, is, um, uh, I agree with what George said. But I suppose if in grazing terms, um, I'd encourage your farmer to go down and just spell, just get his animals into um, mobs and allow grass to grow and recover and then be regrazed again. I think that's something that across the... Uh, grazing lands of Australia needs to be improved everywhere and even on my own farm I mean I, I talk about this but 
you know, we have too many mobs and at times and still don't quite get it right. Not as well as Georgia do it, I'm sure. But well, um, I don't do it as well as other people do either, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think that um, if we could, if we if uh, Australian graziers could perhaps spend a little bit more time on nurturing the environment and allowing it to rest and graze it hard and rest, then the effect to in in, de- in increasing the amount of grasslands that we have and improving um, our carbon sequestration in our water cycle would be hugely beneficial. If you're enjoying the Raw Ag podcast, make sure you rate and review on your favourite podcast app.